Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a strange year, hasn't it? I'm recording this in 2021, and we're still not at the end of the current worldwide pandemic. People have been searching for comfort in all sorts of places, whether that's in family, in medicine, or in simply having more stuff. Where are Christians meant to find comfort? Well, over the next few weeks, we're going to be playing some sermons I've been giving from the book of Isaiah. This book is foundational to the New Testament, and uh, the New Testament authors seem to say that their message is in line with it. So we're going to see what it says, and we'll see where God calls us to find comfort too. Isaiah chapter 44, verses 1 to 8. Let me read this passage for us this evening. It says this, But now listen, Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I've chosen. This is what the Lord says, He who made you, who formed you in the womb, and who will help you. Do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground, I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. Some will say, I belong to the Lord. Others will call themselves by the name of Jacob. Still others will write on their hand the Lord's and will take the name Israel. This is what the Lord says, Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me what has happened since I established my ancient people and what is yet to come. Yes, let them foretell what will come. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. Well, this evening, I want us to think about the question. Do you ever wonder if you've done something that can cancel your future? Do you ever wonder if you've done something that can cancel your future? You might have come across the concept of cancel culture, politicians, celebrities being cancelled for something they've done, Uh, actors losing their job at Hollywood because of their political views, politicians being disgraced. We know that one a bit more this week, don't we? But what they've done behind the scenes. See, in the world of cancel culture, there is no grace. Once you've fallen, you're over. It's the end, game over. There's no way back. Is that the same with sin? Does sin cancel the future of God's people? Does sin cancel the future of God's people? You see, last week we were seeing the truth of sin, weren't we? We saw that sin is personal. We saw that God can blot it out, but has that cancelled the future? Is it game over? You see, it might have seen that way uh, for people in Isaiah's day. They They hadn't just broken a bunch of rules. Israel had rejected God. And now they're heading into exile. It looks like it's all over. All of God's promises have been cancelled. They might be asking, is it game over? Has our sin cancelled our future? Are God's people lost because of sin? Does sin cancel the future of God's people? 
Well, the big answer here in Isaiah 44, 1 to 8, is no, God has always had a plan. God has always had a plan. Even though sin is a big deal, and we saw that last week, God is bigger. God has a plan that is going to deal with the big issue of sin. God's had a big plan right from the start. And Isaiah is telling his readers this for a reason. I don't know if you saw, uh, we get told twice what Isaiah wants people to do with this. The reason we get twice, you get it in verse two, do not be afraid. And verse eight, do not tremble, do not be afraid. You see what Isaiah is telling Israel here, he's telling them so they will not fear. See, when you think your future has been ruined, when you think you've done something that's going to affect your future, it leads you to fear, doesn't it? When you can't see a way out, it makes you tremble. But the good news for those who listen to Isaiah here is that God has always had a plan. And it's a big, spirit-filled, eternal plan. Does sin cancel the future of God's people? No. Let's have a look, shall we? We can see this is a big plan from verses 1 and 2. See, there is a big but at the start of verse 1. Let's have a look at verse 1 with me. But now listen, Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. You see, we're meant to see this as a big contrast with what's just come before. It was sin, wasn't it? Sin before, and now we get but. Even though the people don't deserve a thing from God, even though they're sinners and sin is personal, God is not done with them. This is pure grace here, isn't it? And because of that, this is humbling. And we've just heard about Jacob and Israel. Have a look at uh, verse 28 of chapter 43. So I disgrace the dignitaries of your temple. I consigned Jacob to destruction and Israel to scorn. And now here we have Jacob and Israel again. Those two names come together here in verse 1. We're meant to be contrasting these two sections. Yet Israel is also called something else here in these verses. Did you see that? It's a name we don't really hear very much. Do you see it in verse 2? This is what the Lord says, he who made you, who formed you in the womb, and who will help you. Do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. If you're, on the, uh, if you're looking for a baby name, I mean, there's one that no, no one goes for, Jeshurun. What a weird name. Well, it could be loosely translated as upright one. And in contrast with what we've just seen, that's a bit of an odd name for Israel, isn't it? Israel, who've just sinned against God. Jacob, the name of the deceiver, the trickster in Genesis. Now they're being called the upright one. How does that work? It's going to take something big, isn't it? It's going to turn the sinful into the upright. It's going to take a big plan to do that. And actually, this name, it hints at it. Uh, we have a saying in our growth group, or at least I've tried to have a saying in our growth group. If something's weird, it's probably from the Old Testament. That's a good uh, thing to think. If it's weird, it's probably from the Old Testament. And that is true here. It's a place, actually, we have seen in Isaiah before on a Sunday evening. It's the book of Deuteronomy. Here it is. There's the name for us, verse 15. Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. Filled with food, they became heavy and sleek. They abandoned the God who'd made them and rejected the rock, pin that on for later, the rock, their saviour. See, when Isaiah is using a keyword from that passage, you don't get Jeshurun anywhere else. It's kind of like he's giving us a hyperlink. 
you click it and you go there. He wants us to turn to this passage. And why does he want us to turn to this chapter in Deuteronomy? Well, because this chapter of Deuteronomy gives us God's plan. If you read through this chapter, we did a little while ago, a few weeks ago, we saw it talks about God rescuing Israel from Egypt. It goes through to giving them a land. And then it goes forward to their rebellion and their exile. And beyond that, it talks about their rescue. You see, it's the whole story of Israel right in the very first pages. Deuteronomy gives us a big plan, a big plan that's going to cover the whole of the Bible story. A story that the New Testament writers allude to again and again. Next time you're reading one of Paul's letters, just have a look at the footnotes. See, he goes there all the time. See, this is a big plan that God has to save his people. And when you think about it, that's really reassuring, isn't it? Just put yourself into Israel's shoes here. You know that the exile was promised, but so was the return. All you need to do is trust what God's already said and wait. God had a big plan to rescue his people from before Isaiah's day. He's had a big plan to rescue his people right from the very beginning. God has a big plan, so do not fear. Well, what is that plan? Well, the second thing I want us to see this evening is God's plan is to pour out his spirit. Now, it might seem that the Holy Spirit is a character who comes up only in the New Testament. But actually, the Holy Spirit comes up a whole lot in the Old Testament too. The Old Testament has a lot to say about his work. Just have a look at verse three. For I will pour water on the thirsty ground and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Just notice the detail there. God describes pouring his spirit on his people here. The people there like thirsty land in need of water. They're like dry, dry ground needing a stream. See, God's plan is to pour out his spirit on his people, to give his blessing to Israel. In Isaiah's day, Israel can't say they deserve anything, can they? But here God says he's going to bless them. This is grace in abundance, isn't it? And what will this pouring out the spirit do? Well, verses four and five, they, that's the people that will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. Some will say, I belong to the Lord. Others will call themselves by the name Jacob. Still others will write on their hand the Lord's and they will take the name Israel. See, the spirit will bring God's people back to life, just like putting a tree next to water. And more than that, he's going to cause other people to join God's people. Do you see, people are taking the name Israel here. If they already had it, they can't take it, can they? This is more people coming in. People will take the name Israel, Isaiah says. See, on the day that sin is dealt with, God's spirit is going to come. And Gentiles, people from outside Israel, are going to come and join God's people. I mean, we might be struggling to see just how big a deal this is. But this is massive. It's bigger than just an end of Babylon. It's bigger than the end of exile. This is God's master plan. This is God's promise to Abraham coming to fruition. This is the grand plan of God coming to bear. See, the future of God's people, it's not in doubt. God's still going to bring it about. And on this side of the cross, we know the spirit was poured out. We know that people all over the world came to join God's people. Just read Acts chapter 2. See, Acts chapter 2, because the spirit came, we can have confidence 
that sin has been dealt with because the blessing has come. So do not fear because God has poured out his spirit. He will finish his plan. And the final point this evening, God has an eternal plan. See, Isaiah, he he contains some of the richest verses uh, that underline God's uniqueness. And Isaiah 44 is one of the best. Just listen to what the Lord says in verse 6. This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. It's a massive statement, isn't it? There is no God other than the God here. But why make that point here in Isaiah 44? Well, because God is eternal. He is outside of time and therefore his plan is eternal too. That means that nothing, absolutely nothing can shake God's plan. Remember, Isaiah is talking about the future. Yet that future requires a God who is in control. If God is not eternal, then making promises about the future would be shaky. There would be reason to fear. But God is the first and he is the last. Besides him, there is no God. This plan here is secure. And why is it secure? Because God is secure. Just see how we see that in verse 8. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. Now, the eagle-eyed among you will spot that that's another word from that Deuteronomy passage earlier. And actually, that's what Isaiah wants us to think. You see, that plan is where God proclaimed this, where he foretold this long ago. That's where God is called the rock in very similar terms to this. Another famous verse from Deuteronomy, for their rock is not as our rock, our enemies are by themselves. See, Isaiah is topping and tailing this passage with a description of who God is. At the start, he's the creator, and now he's the rock. The language of rock, it's comforting, isn't it? A rock is safe. A rock is permanent. A rock stands firm. So do not fear. God is eternal. He is safe. He is permanent. He's right where he was from the beginning. You can put your hope in him. Or do you ever wonder whether you can do something to cancel your future? Although Israel is sinful, they can have certainty that there is a future. God has a big plan, one that he's already said, actually. One where God is going to pour out his spirit and he's going to bring the Gentiles into his people. A plan that is eternal, resting on the one God who is the first and the last. When you think about it, it makes perfect sense to trust that God, doesn't it? So do not fear, Israel. God's promises will come true. You just need to listen and trust him. And the same goes for us today, 21st century Hemel Hempstead. So on this side of the cross, we can have even more certainty, can't we, that there is a future for God's people. We can have even more certainty there is a future for us. We've seen that God's spirit has been poured out. We've seen that the nations have come into God's people. And therefore, we can trust that God will bring us all the way home. So let's do the same, shall we? Let's listen to what God says and trust him to complete it. 
Well, I hope you found some comfort there. Any feedback can be sent to me on podcast at david-couch.com and I'll see you next time.